Okay, back again. Gotta share this brief story. So, when Chase and Woodside, the two of us, were just baby disc jockeys in Atlanta, this was maybe 1975 or 1976, we worked at Z93 Radio doing the morning show. Well, at that time, Z had just changed over from a good music station playing reel-to-reel tapes of elevator music on FM. And they decided to go live. And so we jumped ship from an AM radio station to this brand new FM station, the only one in Atlanta at the time that was playing rock and roll music. And we were going after the AM stations with a vengeance. So I can remember going home and telling our friends and our neighbors uh, that they wouldn't be able to hear me on the AM station anymore because I jumped ship and went to the FM station. And they said, boy, that was stupid. I said, what do you mean? They said, we don't have any FM radios. There are no FM radios in cars. Uh, They don't sell FM radios, except the big ones. And back then, the big FM radios were used in people's living rooms to play easy listening, boring elevator music. So I thought, oh God, what did I do here? Anyway, we did real well, but it was rough. We were located in the top floor of Peachtree Center on Peachtree Street. The studio was probably six by six squared. Shag carpeting on the floor, shag carpeting on the ceiling, shag carpeting on the walls. The stuff smelled. And back then, we could all smoke in the studio. (laughs) No ventilation, soundproof, idiots. But, you know, lack of education, right? So one day there was a new memo in the studio posted and it said, Jocks. Do not play more than one disco song per hour or else. I said, wow, that's a pretty heavy memo. And my partner, Barry, said, you don't have a hair on your butt if you don't rip that thing off. And I said, that's no big deal. No one will ever know I did it, right? So I pulled it off of the wall, ripped it up, and threw it in the trash can. So later that morning, when admin and management started filing into work, the program director at the time was Dan Mason, now former president of CBS Radio. And he goes to Barry and he says, I'm trying to find out who ripped my memo off. Do you know who did that? And Barry said, yeah, I do. Scott Woodside. Ha, God. So Mason says, you need to come see me in my office. So I sat down in the office. He said, son, you can't rip off management memos and tear them up and throw them in the garbage. What kind of a message does that send? And I said, I just did it on a dare. And he says, well, you're fired. And I said, Dan, I just bought a new house. We just gave birth to our first daughter, Stacy. This is really bad timing. He said, you should have thought of it before you ripped off the memo. Okay. Well, to to Dan and, and my point, we mended our fence, so to speak, Uh, Dan reluctantly decided to bring me back on and we continued doing the morning show but eventually we left Z93 to pursue other interests. We formed, at that time disco music was real big, we formed a uh, record distribution, distribution company where we actually gave free records to all of the disc jockeys that played the records in the nightclubs back in the 70s. That's when nightclubs 
were really coming on strong, a lot of dancing, and they fired the live bands because they couldn't afford to have a live band, you know, every damn night of the week except Sunday. So this was really a cost-effective move for nightclubs to go to the recorded music. We did well. We had a newspaper. Uh, We went to the disco convention in New York. We had fun, but we really weren't making much money. So we reinvented ourselves, marketed ourselves as an afternoon drive show and went to the local radio station called WQXI and talked Jerry Blum, the general manager, God rest his soul, what a fine human being, into hiring us to do afternoon drive. Well, anyway, I was always the person that would be right on the fence as far as what I said or what I did. But I always heard at an early age that if you look or sound like your competition, you've got a major problem. So what are you doing differently to stand out from the rest of the herd? So that's kind of what I did. But it it would always come to bite me in the ass because I couldn't help myself. But anyway, I got fired. So I'm left. Oh, Lord, what do I do now? I'm fired. And uh, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, Dan Mason called and he said, Woodside, I'm program director in Washington, D.C. at a radio station called WPGC. There's a guy by the name of Jim Elliott that does mornings. And I believe if I brought you up here to do crazy news uh, and just act the fool like you always have, I'll protect you so you won't get fired. I believe you could go to worst to first and be number one in the Washington, D.C. market. Okay, that story coming up next. Hey, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Please uh, share the podcast if you think it's compelling or interesting or whatever. I'd love to hear from you and uh, have a good time until I see you next. Thanks for listening. Oh, hey, just one other thing. I hope you enjoyed that segment, but I want to play a little bit of Chase and Woodside. This particular uh, recording is from Christmas 1989. It's about a little over a minute. Hope you enjoy it. Take care. We'll talk soon. Bye. Did anybody have any problems with their tree stands this year? You know, your Christmas tree stand? Oh, they're great, aren't they? Don't they make just great Christmas tree stands? They cost $30. You bring them home and the things, the threads on the screws are messed up. They don't hold the tree. You got to prop it up. And and they always have a brand new model coming out every year. That's like 50 or (laughs) 75 bucks that's going to, you know, this this is is the last tree stand (laughs) that you'll ever have to buy. And you put your tree in it for some reason and your tree is crooked. Everybody's standing sideways looking uh, looking at the decorations. And how did the Taiwanese figure out that Christmas tree lights were going to be a big draw in the United States? What is it? How did they figure out that the strings are only good for one year? You plug them in the following year after you've saved them in the basement, all wrapped up real neat and marked so that you don't have any problems. Seven out of the ten strands are dead. You have so, to buy more. Uh, what did you spend on lights Boy, this weekend? I got weekend. so mad. I'd had about three cups of eggnog trimming that dead gum family hour tree every year. I stepped on them. I killed them. I murdered all of them. I killed them. Another good experience for the holiday season. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, yeah. Scott. You're welcome, Keith. <laughs> the video there ain't one bob left. <laughs>